Sports fans, let's get at it and talk seminars. Next one up with a few spots left is Wichita Falls on December 11th through the 13th, then Wichita Falls on February 5th through the 7th, and then April 16th through the 18th in Wichita Falls. For lifting camps on the list, we have one spot left for our squat and deadlift camp in Orlando on November 7th. We also have a squat and deadlift camp in Omaha at Testify Strength on November 21st. A few squat camps on the list. Next one up is going to be November 14th in Austin, then Tel Aviv, Israel on November 21st. Seoul, South Korea on November 22nd, and Moonis, Connecticut on December 5th. Those are all squat camps. We also have a deadlift and power clean camp in Seoul, South Korea on November 22nd following that squat camp. Three lift camp on the list on November 22nd will be in Baltimore at 5 by 3 training, covering the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. And then for coaching camps on the list, we have Houston, Texas covering the squat on November 7th, and Orlando, Florida covering the squat and the deadlift on November 22nd. Meets, meets, meets. Strength lifting meets coming up on October 31st in Phoenix at Weights and Plates and in Omaha at Testify Strength. After that, we'll be in Wichita Falls on November 14th for their strength lifting meet. Then Testify in Omaha is having three separate USA weightlifting meets on December 5th, March 13th, and May 8th. And finally, 5 by 3 Training is having their partner meet on December 6th in testing four lifts. Starting Strength Gyms are running on all eight cylinders where you can come in and get coaching for less than 30 bucks a session. Find a location near you or to request a location or just get more information, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as always, for more information on any of the events that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday. It's not Saturday. It's not Monday. It's not Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It is Friday. And Friday is the day that Starting Strength Radio brings you the cutting edge in all matters. Strength training, social, sexual, alcoholic, and everything else of any interest whatsoever. And we are here today uh, with our friend, Matt Briggs. William M. Briggs is the statistician of the stars. Those of you that are on the internet have seen him and read his material with interest because the man is good at this. He is an excellent explainer and he's uh, a lot of people realize this and he's linked to from all over the internet and we're happy that he is with us today. Briggs, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. We are going to talk about COVID-19 today in uh uh in the presence of an expert on the statistics the actual data the actual data not the bullshit that you have been delivered on the broadcast networks and over most of the internet we're going to talk about the actual data and the actual data tells a completely different story than you are familiar with and it's extremely important that you understand this because your actions should be governed by logic and analysis. And without the data, you cannot perform the analysis, even if you are logical. 
the data are extremely crucial. The data have been withheld from you because, in my opinion, there is an agenda in operation here. And this will, of course, get us defunded from YouTube for this episode, won't it? Probably. Probably will. Uh, hey, we got all kind of money. We got lots and lots of money, so we don't need the, we don't need it. But I wish they'd leave it up so people would would learn. Uh, leave it up, we just won't get paid for it. Yeah, well, that's fine. As long as they leave it up, it's fine with me. Uh, before we get started, you guys get this, okay? This is Briggs' new book, written in association with Douglas Axe and Jay Richards, The Price of Panic. It is on Amazon right now. And a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today is written down for you here in the book. And my advice to you is to place an order for it right now. And uh, have it with you and read it and let all this stuff sink in because it's terribly critical that you deprogram yourself. Briggs, what exactly the hell is happening uh, around us? Because it's difficult to organize it's difficult for a, a logical person, a person that likes for things to fit into a logical framework, uh, to to look at what is going on around us right now and not go completely insane because of the irrationality of every single action that has been taken by every level of government. At every step of this process, it started back in February to right this minute. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. And it just it's it's just I know you're under as much stress as everybody else is. You know, you get up every day and you go outside and you see people riding down the street by themselves with a mask on on a motorcycle. You, you see people in cars by themselves with a mask on. You see all of this insane, illogical, irrational shit taking place. And it just, you know, it, it just challenges your ability to, to, to remain, you know, out of jail. Uh, what, what the hell is happening here? You, you see people running jogging on the east river the east river is a very popular thing to jog on it's a sunny beautiful warm day these people are young 30s fit seemingly uh and they got masks on in the heat <laughs> jogging it's just it's beyond belief and they see someone like me coming because i'm not going to wear a mask i'm not going to wear one. i don't own one because they don't want to be infected they're sure the air is permeated it's like this yes. deadly they they think that the that the virus is wafting through the air like smoke. That's it. That's exactly yeah. what it is. it's it's uh, in New York City at the beginning of this April uh, when it was at its peak and people were dying uh, like they do every year of flu and other seasonal diseases, uh, mainly pneumonia. Uh, masks weren't that big a deal. Uh, people were wearing them, but not very many. Now. Now, now that it's over, dropped to zero, uh, almost zero in the entire state. Ninety-five percent or more are wearing masks. Yes. Now it's true. The the godmother, uh, the governor of New York, 
uh, is mandated uh, their use uh, in buildings and uh, yeah. all this kind of thing. But there, there's no reason to be doing this when you're sitting, like you say, they're driving down the street in a motorcycle, they're driving in their car, they got the windows up and they're wearing a mask. They're walking on a beautiful sunny, the air, listen, the air is germicidal. Uh, healthy, fresh air is going to kill germs. The sun, what? UV. The sun kills germs. UV, UV kills germs. Listen, let me ask every, I want to, we're going to probably talk about this many times. I want to ask all your listeners, they already know the answer. And you and I talked about this the other day. Why is it that every year, right about starting at this, this date until February, March, do we get a peak in flu and pneumonia deaths? Whereas in the summer, they drop off to nothing. Now, everybody knows the answer to this. That's because yes. in, the, in the winter months, we all cram each other in these self-enforced voluntary lockdowns, right. spreading the disease amongst ourselves. And unfortunately, people get it. They get the flu and they develop pneumonia. A lot of people, a lot of people die from this every single year. Even if we have vaccines, we've had a vaccines for a half a century now. That's not stopping flu deaths. But let me ask this question. So we know that this is the case. And then in spring, of course, people start to get back outside. They get out into the sunshine and these diseases drop off, but never fade away. They just drop off. Right. Uh, so what was the solution? I'll put that in air quotes. What was the solution the government hit upon to stop the spread of the Corona doom? To keep us all trapped inside with each other so we could transmit it to each other so that we wouldn't transmit it to each other. That's exactly, it's absolutely It's just, it, it's insane. The whole thing is completely <laughs> insane. If you had, listen, in the old days, if you got a, you know, on the high seas, we were talking about uh, the O'Brien uh, Aubrey Maturin novels. You have a ship that's infected with yellow fever and you have a isolated, isolated, perfectly isolatable uh, uh, vessel that you could keep off into the water. And the virus is raging through. Back then, there was no uh, inoculation for, for the yellow fever. And, of course, it makes perfectly eminent sense to keep those people absolutely isolated from right. the rest of the population. Right. But in a lockdown, you can't do that. You have to have people are still going out to the grocery store. They're going right. to whatever the government deems are, quote, unquote, essential businesses. So people are still mixing. Yeah, and, and, you know, in, in the in – to the to look at the thing conversely, if you were on a ship at sea, and there were no diseases on the ship, and there were no inputs from external to the vessel, the ship was fine. You've got thousands and thousands of miles of salt water around you, and there's no no vector for anything to get aboard the ship, and all of those guys stayed healthy. Hell. Uh, it was it was rather uncommon to have an infected wound in a situation like this out there in the ocean and people just but what do we do you know in in exactly. in response to this ridiculous lot this ridiculous little flu virus corona 19 yeah, we we decided that everybody that was sick and uh especially in the state of New York everybody that was infirm had to be exposed to the coronavirus by having active cases pumped into the nursing homes and uh, killed what 10,000 people That's you know the latest estimate yeah yeah 10,000 people Andrew Cuomo is actually a mass murderer 
but he'll never do it. He'll never see the inside of a jail for that because that's not what we do here in the United States. We don't put our political class in prison. We used to hang them. You know, in a more in a more gentle society, we hung them. That's what lampposts were for. You know, but now now we have to just sit here and take this. Uh, now these lockdowns, the the WHO, the World Health Organization, just by coincidence, released this major report last year in 2019, uh, before this pandemic hit, and they because we get these pandemics every right. 10 to 20 years. All right, yes. we get them routinely. Yes. They're uh, we had it's normal, which killed maybe up to 600,000 people worldwide, right. but no panic. We had the bird flu before that. We had the Hong Kong flu back in 67, 68, that killed about the same number of people. They're saying the Corona doom killed right now, about mm-hmm. a million. And in 57, we had the Asian flu, which killed about two million people. And that was at a time when there was about a third fewer people across the globe. So that was right. a much deadlier killer. Much. But no lockdown. No panic, no no unreasoning, uh, irrational rush to, to stop anybody from dying. I think that's right. the, if there's any one thing that happened here, is that the, uh, the public, driven by uh, media with these asinine headlines, uh, panicked. Right. The, the, the people panicked. The gov- they demanded the government do something. And what better message to give the government than they're needed, that they need to actually go out there and start responding. Uh, Making up these new rules and sure. restrictions and uh, absolutely and stuff, and they they jumped at it. They jumped at it, and once they did that, they could not admit that it was wrong, and they're going to stick with this kind of stuff. No, so they're now, staying by their story. There's no doubt. Exactly. There's nobody's going to pay a price for this. No. There's no. No. no that, that doesn't occur in 2020. So no. what we want to do is we want to stop this from happening uh, a second time. But unfortunately. It looks like we're entering phase two of the panic right now. And the reason we're entering phase two of the panic is testing. Yes. Testing. I was listening to uh, uh, saw a lecture this morning by Michael Yeadon, uh, Dr. Yeadon from the UK. You probably have, have talked to him about this. Uh, and he made the point, the very good point, uh, that the natural history of any virus is uh, uh, detailed uh, on a graph by what's called the Gompertz curve. And uh, that under, especially coronaviruses that don't mutate very quickly, there is no such thing as a second wave. It doesn't occur. It's biologically impossible. Yet, we are creating what the media and the government are referring to as a second wave by testing, testing. So let's go, let's, let's get, this is really a a terribly critical uh, thing here that the government and the media have created quite a bit of terror here. And people who are afraid will give the government power that they wouldn't under normal circumstances cede to the government. And what is going on right now is that the government is manufacturing fear and promising at the same time to protect us through their actions. Uh, in other words, through making us do what they want us to do, which are, you know are interpreted as their actions. And uh, as a result of that, 
we are supposed to uh, all become safer if we just cower in fear under our kitchen tables with our masks on in plastic bags. And uh, th- this not only ignores the fact, and this is a separate issue we really need to talk about, that, the, that this disease is just not that deadly, but that the case rate that we are now supposed to be afraid of, not the death rate, but the case rate, is being manufactured by the testing rate. And I'd like for you to discuss that at length because this is – people have to understand. The case rate is – is this is a what – do you, what do you mean by the term case? What do they mean by the term case? The, the, before 2020 – every medical professional knew the difference between an infection and a case. An infection was a person like yourself uh, who may have got a cold or something like this, just an infection that did not require treatment or hospitalization. Right. The patient, uh, the person with the infection never went to the doctor and sought treatment. Uh, most common colds are like this. Most small sure. infections are just that way. They're infections. We used to speak of an infection fatality rate. Those are the people who got the bug uh, and, and who succumbed. But it was always an estimate because we never really knew the exact number of infected because these people were just not showing up at a doctor. That's right. A case, a case was a person who did need uh, either hospitalization or required some kind of a treatment. And we would speak of case fatality rates. These are necessarily higher than infection fatality Obviously. Rates. Because these are the sick people. These are the people who are showing up and really need treatment. Of course, that's going to be higher. The people now, we the have people. identified as being sick. By, Absolutely. But we see sick. signs and they have symptoms and they are recognized to be infected. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the media can't distinguish these two at all. They, no. they're, they're, they, they mix up infections and cases and everybody just follows suit with this. And the government took up that mantle. Because when you hear case... When you hear on the radio or TV or something like this, oh, you hear there's been 10 new cases on some football team or whatever. Uh, you think, oh, my God, these people are on their way to being hooked up to a ventilator. They right. must be, you know, right. that's the only images that you're presented with. That's absolute <laughs> nonsense. It's like the, 10 cases in 23-year-old professional athletes yeah. result in how many deaths? <laughs> exactly have, how many deaths? Small symptoms on this. There's a, lo- a large number of people, particularly the young, who are asymptomatic or have very minor symptoms. Uh, I, I myself had uh, back in March. I had for like a not even quite a day. I had a scratchy throat. Right. Okay. Fine. Whatever. So, but it's not. It's nothing to worry about for most people. We've already seen that now. But, but what this means is this. Back in April, there were. Uh, a large number of people dying, both from uh, caused by the government lockdowns and from this new disease. It's true. Mostly uh, elderly people who are very ill uh, were dying. We'll talk about that. But testing, testing had nowhere moved to, to the general population. It was just those people presenting at hospitals and, and the exceptionally nervous who showed up to be tested. Mm-hmm. Testing has since ramped up. up testing up, is an industry now. Health a million tests a day now a million tests a day and and deaths have dropped down they're they're never going to go to zero okay that's one thing we'll talk about that too that's an interesting thing about human life isn't it yeah but testing is over a million a day now 
And they're, they're, this PCR test, which is the most widely used thing, is very sensitive. It's reporting a lot of uh, infections, which the media are calling cases. And yeah. a lot of these are either past infections, uh, indications of other coronavirus. The coronavirus causes the common cold. This particular one is uh, a, a, you know, a mutation of it, and it causes deadlier diseases in some. This is picking up very small asymptomatic cases. And in, in a lot of cases, it's picking up no case at all. No, there it's picking up little fragments of the virus. No, Can, no, not even that. It's picking up nothing and calling them viruses. Right. There is uh, one study I saw about 1% to 4% false positive rate. That doesn't sound bad, all right? The test is good if it's 96% accurate or something. But when you're doing a million tests and you have a small prevalence of the disease, you're going to have thousands and thousands of people a day who are falsely labeled okay. as uh, being infected or cases. And I, I want so to talk about this not- in, in some detail because people don't understand the statistical issue here that is the resu- that, that arises from a false positive rate. Uh, without going into a, a lot of detail, uh, the polymerase chain reaction test was developed by Kerry Mullis back in the in the eighties. And it's very, very good at amplifying little tiny, tiny, tiny nano quantities of substances that are available in a sample so that we can identify their presence. But if you run a PCR test and you repeat the test through 40 cycles, for example, the thing starts showing you shit that's not necessarily there. And this is just the this is this is the the PCR test is very very important for lots and lots of things, but used under these circumstances, it throws a bunch of shit data out. Now, we we all know what a false positive test is, but if you've got a false positive test rate of one percent, you've got a problem. And I want you to explain to the lay person exactly why that would be. Because this is it's well, important to understand this. It, it, obviously, obviously, if you're doing a million tests now, it, without getting into the math, it depends on the actual uh, prevalence of the disease in the population. And by now, a lot of us are uh, have had been infected. Uh, we're reaching herd immunity, uh, so the active infections are probably pretty low. So uh, there is a bit of math involving the actual prevalence and the false positive rate, but. Uh, it's easy enough to see if you're saying from one to four percent of the sample that you're doing have the disease and they really don't and you're testing well over a million a day you're going to end up with thousands thousands of people who are said to have the disease and do not yeah 10 to forty thousand people now, it's who not like you said know. had the disease don't actually have the disease it's not like these people are actually being then treated. And so you, you never hear this part in the media. All you hear is the number of positive tests, which they're calling falsely cases. And so you think something's happening with these people. This is not the case at all. Many of these people are going, uh, a lot of people are being tested daily. And they're all included into this thing. It depends on which uh, job they have and this kind of a thing. There's yeah. lots and lots of people. There's people who are already infected, known to be infected genuinely have the disease at some low level and they're being tested multiple times 
which is rational if you're in the hospital and so right. forth. And you want to check the progress of this. But they're being included in these totals. Everyone, uh, every time they're tested, they're counted as a new case. The same person. It's, it's just some what? people are trying to be careful about this, but the the media is not trying to be careful about this. They're trying to do anything they can to juice this panic along because it gets them eyeballs and that sells them ads and that's all they really care about. Plus, they want to be seen as important and influential. That's that, that's no small thing either. Right. So if you've got a, a even a small rate of false positives, and every test is going to generate some false positives, but under normal circumstances, we don't make policy based on false positives. But in this particular case, we have. We've made public health policy based on false policy, uh, most false positives. So if your false positive rate is 1% to 4% and you've conducted a million tests, uh, you generate a tremendous number of cases that aren't actually cases. And then you, and then you make policy based on that. And, uh, I mean, if, if you want to go through, uh, uh, in under a normal, you know, disease situation, uh, under which, uh, everybody's behaving rationally and stuff, and you want to conduct a bunch of tests to do some epidemiology and stuff on this, I don't guess it's a problem, but if you are locking down the entire population of a state as a result of what you call an increasing, a spiking case rate, which is 100% the fault of the testing rate, not the infections, then this is a giant problem that no one has ever had to deal with before. And uh, exactly. I, I, I can't... Uh, I can't impress upon people how. So, so what, what, why don't people, medical professionals, know these facts? Sure, so they. Do. Really, so what do they do? They emphasize the other side of things. If there's false positives, there can of course be false negatives. False negatives. These are times people have an infection, but to test it and pick it up. Now this is true. There is a, a about the same uh, percentage rate of false negatives for these tests, but. So they base policy on the never better safe than sorry rule, which is, of course, the absolute dumbest thing you can do. That's how you destroy an economy. Right. If these false negatives are, are that's true. They're there. They're false negatives. These people have the infection, but they're not sick. All right. right. So if you got if you're going into the hospital and you're gasping for breath and you've got a temperature of 103 or four or something like this and you lost your taste of smell. But somehow the test comes back and says, sorry, you don't have the. They're not going to kick you. They out don't the send you home. <laughs> you're sick. The tests, are missing. <laughs> the tests are missing. The people who are healthy or just have a, a bare asymptomatic infection, right. the younger people who have no comorbidities and stuff. So they're making policy based on that and not on the harmful false positives. It's, right. uh, it's absolutely inverted from normal, from normal procedure. Because, I mean, we wrote in the book, I, I went through a flu scenario. Imagine if, we, imagine if you started hearing these numbers in October. We have so many new cases, so many new cases. They're building every day, and then the deaths start being reported. More and more deaths, and oh my God, the, the people are going to panic. And we could just juice this panic just by reporting the normal flu deaths. In, in 2017-18, about, depending on how you count, 180 to 200,000 people 
180 to 200,000 people, Americans, yes. die yes. of flu and subsequent pneumonia. Right. Now, and here we are with supposedly 220,000 deaths from corona coronavirus 19, from COVID-19, which is the same thing as the flu. It's exactly well, the same it's thing. Uh, it's a different bug and everything. But it's a different bug, but in terms of the of the of the mortality, it's the same exact thing. There's not it's not it's the differences are trivial. People are dead. A whole bunch of people are dead. But every year in the United States, two point nine to three million people die. In terms of the population percentage, this is a little bit less than 1% of the population every year in the United States dies. That's what happens. But we have now decided that because someone might get sick, we have to take all these bizarre, extraordinary steps to prevent from happening that which is going to happen anyway, right? And I, you know, this it's... Not only that, listen, between every week of every year, all the time, without any possibility of stopping it, of all the weekly deaths, 5 to 12% are flu and pneumonia. It peaks, of course, in the winter right. and goes down to 5% or so in the summer. It doesn't disappear. It never disappears. This coronavirus like all the other coronavirus, is never going to disappear. It's just going to be added to the mix of all of these things that are out there and kill some of us. That kill people. Things kill people, right? We've adopted a zero-death policy, zero-tolerance policy on deaths, and it's never going to happen. Well, it it, it is interesting, isn't it, that uh, we seem to be reluctant to understand that we are undertaking a war on death. That cannot be won any more than a war on poverty, a war on stupidity, a war on sex. Some things can't be won with a war, and this is one of them. Now, if you want to, if you want to prevent death, what the hell are you going to have to do? Well, you're going to have to make everybody stay at home, never leave their house, and you're going to have to drop the speed limit to five miles an hour for those necessary vehicles that are driving around patrolling the streets for people outside without wearing masks on to five miles an hour. Speed limits are an excellent, an excellent analogy here. They're very, very useful. When, when uh, the, the national speed limit was 55 miles an hour back during the Nixon administration, and finally, the only logical thing that Bill Clinton ever did was raise the speed limit eliminate the national 55 miles an hour speed limit. And I'll, I'll drink beer with him for that. All right. You know, I mean, he did do everything wrong, but we have decided at that point, we decided that even though we know that for every five miles an hour, a, a speed limit is increased, there will be a certain measurable number of additional deaths associated with a higher rate of speed. And there are, there are highways in the United States. There's an 85-mile-an-hour speed limit for a section of Interstate 10 out in West Texas where there's nobody there and the road is straight, 85 miles an hour. Because as a, as a society, we have decided that the convenience of rapid transit and, and saving time on the highway is we, – we have done a, a – a, a, 
a risk assessment, you know, risk benefit analysis on it, and uh, have decided that, yeah, if we're out there, 85 miles an hour is fine. 75 miles an hour is just fine. 55 miles an hour costs us too much in time and money. And that is directly balanced against lives. Yet, nobody goes ape shit when you suggest that me driving 80, 80 miles an hour down the highway isn't that necessarily that big a deal, right? But hey, let me tell you, the number of deaths, uh, I think it's like 800, uh, roughly on average, 800, I, I believe that's correct, uh, a, a week die in traffic fatalities in yes. the United States. And we're below that level uh, of the corona doom deaths or attributed deaths. And that's, uh, at least when they die in a traffic accident, we know that it was the car crash yes. that killed them. You, you know, and you see the brains and the blood and the broken bones and the fragments yeah. of hair and teeth and shit. And you know that the impact actually killed you. Where is death data in corona? Now let's talk about that because that's a precious little thing, isn't it? It's a mess. Now... So you have a here's a typical patient I saw the charts on uh, 82 year old uh, black woman, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, CAD, coronary artery disease and diabetes. Right. And also she had the Corona doom and, right. and died. OK. Uh, so what's what do you put on the death certificate? You put Alzheimer's. You got to put something. You got to put Alzheimer's. You got to put CAD. What are you going to put? Diabetes, or you're going to put uh, something that's going to get the hospital a little bit extra money because they're being paid for these. Because uh, they're diabetes. being paid for those death notices, aren't they? No, you got to put something, and and it's true that without the coronavirus, this woman probably would have lived a couple of more months, possibly. So this woman, what we see here. It doesn't. You look at whatever age bracket you want. Uh, the the risk of dying from the coronavirus, the population fatality ratio, you never hear reported. No, that's the only one that be of interest to everybody. You take all the number of people alive in an age bucket. You take the number of people who died from whatever cause, coronavirus included. You divide those mm -hmm. numbers, and it's extraordinarily low until you get. Until about uh, depends about 75, 70 years old, and, and we what we have discovered this year is an amazing fact: uh, old people die at higher rates than young people. Than young, and that's, that's fascinating, exactly. isn't it? What, isn't it? what a revelation! No matter what age you're in, you still have at least a ten times uh, more chance of dying from something other than the coronavirus. Even these most elderly people, even the 85 plus year olds still have a 10 times higher rate of dying from something else so this is we have a huge problem now of uh deciding whether people are dying with or from this disease now the cdc earlier in the year did a study in which they discovered only six percent six percent of the figure you're hearing uh, of the number of deaths died uh, of the coronavirus exclusively Right, six percent. Six percent of two hundred and twenty thousand is uh, that's about six thousand people, right? Six, seven thousand people, something to that effect. Double, double that. So twelve thousand people. Yeah. All right. So, but that, that, and all of you're the statistician, thank God. So. Right. <laughs> 
that's close enough. Yeah. But, it's, but these were all elderly people, very elderly people. And right. Sad and everything. And I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, we can't eliminate death. Do you know, uh, do you happen to know right off the top of your head what the average age of death from coronavirus is? Uh, it's something like 74 uh, something. That's the average age of death. And what yeah. is the average mortality? Uh, the average age of death in the U.S. population. Oh, um, I don't know that. It's uh, it's up around the same thing. It's not exactly the same, but pretty close. They're, Within, they're, uh, they're essentially the same number. Essentially the same number. And, and, and the reason is this, is because in that same CDC study, uh, 96% of the, 94% of those people had on average about two to three comorbidities. Serious comorbidities like Alzheimer's, cancer, like diabetes, COPD, like, COPD, like asthma, type two. Is the one. Right. These people were sick people. These are people sick who are dying people. anyway. They were in nursing homes. The, the toll in nursing homes was, of course, tremendous, terrible. But you got to remember, uh, nursing homes, uh, <laughs> the fatality rate of the exit uh, from nursing homes is pretty high. Yes. So, you know, it's it's a it's a terrible thing and everything, but this is not unexpected. Okay, Uh, it's still the case that if you're young, say less than 60 and you don't have all these comorbidities, you're absolutely under extremely tiny risk, extremely tiny. You have a much higher risk. I guess it was under 18. You have like a 600 times more chance, 600 times higher chance of dying from something else. From a car uh, so, wreck. Car wreck, anything. But you don't give your keys to your mother, do you? Suicide is bigger. And right. suicides have gone up. They've doubled in some places because of these lockdowns. People lost their businesses. They lost their livelihoods. They've lost hope. They're, they buy into this panic stuff. Suicides are up everywhere. Not just here. Uh, in, in England, All over the in world. France, all over the place where they thought these lockdowns were a good idea. Against all evidence. And so <laughs> not just that. It's not just that. Uh, you, it's very difficult to get tease all these statistics out, but uh, the number of other deaths are also up. We have, we have in our book, we have some uh, examples of people who, uh, for instance, a woman uh, had a stroke. She knew that she was probably having a stroke, but did not want to go to the hospital because she was terrified she'd go there and get the doom and die. So she died. <laughs> and so she died. <laughs> Get the treatment. So she died. She was anyway. terrified of dying, and so she died. Exactly. There's so many misdiagnoses, uh, or, or because people aren't going to get their cancer screenings and stuff. Yeah, and the wonder... hospitals themselves are, uh, their governance anyway, are playing into this. I heard on the radio two days ago, they said in Pennsylvania, "Don't go to the hospital. We're expecting there to be overwhelmed again with the second wave. The second Don't wave go is to the hospital. coming upon us soon. So stay away from the stay hospital. away from yeah. the hospital. But I but I can't feel my right side. Yeah, but I can't matter. feel my right side. Well, but I, you know, you don't want to get the COVID. You know, it sounds like you may be having some neurological problems. But you know, just rest, right? Because you don't want to get the COVID." I wonder how many it's, melanomas it's, went undiagnosed during the previous six months. We, how many people? Estimate of that, but it's going to take that's going to take a couple of years to get those. This is the benefit they have; they can do all this stuff now. And by the time we discover all these numbers, you know, because we need the data and we need time to get that data. Uh, although we have some preliminary, 
the CDC also has preliminary estimates. It looks like at least from the CDC preliminary estimates, 20 to 30,000 deaths caused by the reaction, not yes. by the coronavirus itself, but caused by the reaction. Of governments over, to the, government, the corona. Uh, the government's action. So, yes, you'll hear a lot of people say, well, our business is down this year because of the coronavirus or so on. No, it's not because of the coronavirus. It's because of the government actions to the yes. coronavirus. Yes. The, government over, yes. the coronavirus itself is not causing anything. It's causing some people at the end of their lives to, to, to make a, a slightly early exit. That's yes. true. But these people are not, in, in general, working class. I mean, they're not out there in the working at this point in their lives. And so it's had very little effect on the economy as far as that goes. And I don't want to sound cold and callous when we talk about the economy. In the book, we say, look, the economy means food. The economy is how you get your dinner. Yes. All right? It's how you feed yourself. It's how you clothe your family. It's how you house yes. yourself. So the economy is, is us interacting with each other. That's all exactly. it is. And it's so, extremely important since we are social animals. You know, we're not hunter-gatherers, and we have an economy. And if that economy can't function, then it comes out of our asses. It just does. That's it. You, you cannot restrict human behavior to things that the government likes because the governments are notoriously inept at analyzing data, as you have seen. And uh, if when governments try to start micromanaging economies, what you get is Venezuela. Okay, yep. you get Venezuela, and nobody wants to be in Venezuela. Certainly not me. Right now, the death data. What we, I get the impression that the death data are so so skewed in the direction of being useful to the government and that the the methods by which they have skewed it are so so insidious that the death data is it doesn't tell us a damn thing really does it well what, I mean, what are the meth what are the mechanisms by which these people are screwing this data up that, the, the whole dying with versus dying of is the biggest thing. Right. I mean, if you have it on your desk, if you have it in your system, this is also causing uh, increase in hospitalizations. Because if you go in there to have your toe fungus scraped off and they give you the coronavirus test, you're going to be listed as, as a case. Coronavirus. Exactly. So, they're, 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 you know, it's all these protocols. You got to understand people. Uh, it's, it's difficult to describe, but uh, hospitals develop these protocols, which are more or less uh, fixed procedures that have to be followed, especially when you get all the government involved in these kinds of things. So someone comes in, now they all get the test. And if it's positive, regardless of whether it's an infection or not, you're sent into some kind of a pipeline. All right. And so more, you, know, you get repeated tests and all this kind of stuff. So right. backing out the numbers of real infections, real deaths, real, uh, real hospitalizations of this thing, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to have to be done on a hospital-by-hospital hospital basis. Well, it's, long after all this stuff is over, it's, it's almost as though it, it, it's almost as though they designed it that way, Briggs. It, it, well, yeah, a cynical person would say that this whole system has been designed to manufacture a big number. 
And, you know, the, the interesting thing about that number is that even at their be- with their best efforts they've only been able to come up with 220,000 people as of when we're talking today that are dead from from the coronavirus as they say we know it's a it's you know 6% of that but 220,000 is that's a big number that's a six digit number that's like twice the population of Wichita Falls that's a whole bunch of dead people right that's a lot of dead people and because people do not understand numbers the general population is is effectively innumerate they don't understand the effect of numbers 220,000 is what percentage of a population of 330 million what you well, know exactly. it's far less than 1% and exactly. it's you know, it's, you, you and, have and, to you look know, at it, you know. If, we, if, have, we have 50,000, 60,000 people dying every week uh, of other causes. Right. And so this is still minuscule. And it's gone down. It's gone down. I just posted the latest CDC numbers uh, yesterday. It's decreasing, 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 except for a caveat, which we have to talk about, uh, the, the, the disappearing flu. We have to warn people about this. That but is an interesting problem. Yes, let's talk about it. decreasing steadily. There's no reason uh, to, to reinvigorate this panic right now, except political reasons. Right. Uh, because they're panicked because of all this increasing testing. The election's coming up. Uh, it's, a, it's a curiosity that it's only these uh, so-called blue states that are getting everybody uh, back into lockdown mode, trying to make them nervous about going out to, uh, and uh, mixing the populations and vote and so forth. That I may backfire. So much. But, you know. Uh, right. Right. That might backfire. They're doing it. They're doing it. So we do have to talk about this disappearing flu. Yeah. Now, I've been warning people for about a month. I got suspicious because the CDC uh, has all kinds of data. They collected this weekly data for years, for years. Uh, Every week, how many people die of the flu? How many die of pneumonia? How many die from all these other causes? And three or four weeks ago, uh, they stopped collecting it in their normal manner it disappeared i saw that announcement that said that uh this year the cdc will not be collecting flu death data yes what and not just not just them the i did i have some numbers up if people want to go and see it my website from the who the, the world health organization they have a global flu uh tracking system and they've been running this for years too and it makes sense to do this because uh, you want to know what strains of the flu are being passed around. There's about eight strains that they that they check. Right, so they that you can them. formulate the vaccine correctly. Exactly. So exactly, but it does. Of course, that vaccine's a whole other question. We'll leave aside. For yeah, now. it's not, now it, <laughs> since the past about three months, there's been it hasn't dropped to exactly zero. But uh, in the single digits, there's no flu being reported from any of these agencies. Flu has, in essence, disappeared. disappeared. They did, uh, uh, last week, I think they did uh, three or 4,000 tests, the CDC reported, of which only they found one positive. One. One. This was just last week. It's nuts. What what in the hell explains that? Here's what the problem is. Flu is not going away. Of course, of course you're not, not going to get bug as in, the coronavirus isn't 
battling with the flu virus and, and winning it. That's not what happens. What's happening is they've forgotten to test for it. You go into the hospital now, they're not going to test you for flu. They're gonna, if you've got shortness of breath and all this kind of, they're going to test you for the corona doom. Because it, flu test doesn't test make them any money. Sensitive. You're going to get, you're gonna get uh, a lot of positives for people who are having flu. And, and the, that doesn't, okay, so what? They're still getting treated and all this kind of stuff. But here, there's two dangers. The first is they're going to use the, the ordinary flu numbers and their ineptitude to uh, continue to juice this panic. In other words, the natural flu numbers, which just start rising at this point in time every year, mm-hmm. are going to be mistaken for the coronavirus numbers in a lot of instances. And we're going to say, oh, my God, look what's happening. And, and because of that, they're going to start saying something like this. You guys listen for this. Okay, You heard it here first. They're going to say, oh, no, now the coronavirus is attacking the young. We've had more young people dying all of a sudden all from right. the coronavirus, they're going to say, because the flu does kill the young. Right. The flu is a very deadly disease in the young, so yeah. it's something to watch out for in kids. But because of these mistakes, that's a prediction. I'm not saying it's going to happen everywhere or it's planned or anything like this, but we have so much ineptitude, so much self-blindness and uh, confirmation bias going on mm-hmm. that that's going to happen. It'll get straightened out eventually, eventually. But uh, not until after it's caused tremendous harm. Briggs, the hospitals are getting paid for COVID-19 tests, and they're not getting paid for flu tests. Well, that depends now, I on mean, the, I'm, I'm the being... locality, municipality, depends on the... Because every state has their own, and uh, metropolitan area has different flu reporting guidelines and criteria and so forth. So that's, that's complicated. However, what's, what seems to be absolutely positively clear is they're just not making the tests. They're just uh, not they're, doing they're, it. They're opting for the, the COVID test and, or the coronavirus test instead. Well, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Uh, I have heard that a positive coronavirus test uh, in a hospital situation is worth about $19,000 to the hospital. And I've also heard that a coronavirus ICU admission is worth $39,000 to the hospital. Now, if you've got the flu and you've got COVID-19, and I only test you for COVID-19, then I don't get a positive flu test, and I do get either I do get either twenty or forty thousand dollars. Could that be skewing this data? Uh, so it's probably not that. Absolutely, it's absolutely uh, an extreme possibility. It's not that the doctors are doing it. You understand? They're still treating these. No, patients, it's the hospital administrators following their protocols, and they're saying, "Okay, did the test come up positive for the doom?" And yes, they put it into their system. And then later down the, the line where the administrators get hold of this data and it comes billing time and all that kind of stuff, that's where the magic happens. Right. Okay. So that it's, it's not a simple kind of a thing, but it's obviously political. All right. It's right. extremely political. Uh, and I... I, I've sound, I, I, I must sound like a raving lunatic uh, to your audience because any I'm sane so person at this point does Briggs. Any sane person sounds like a raving lunatic right now. We, we, 
we threw away everything we knew about viruses and epidemiology starting in 2020 uh, that I can't believe people who know better are starting to say the most idiotic things they know can't be right. These are responsible people uh, connected with government who heretofore had made somewhat sensible statements, and now they're fighting with the, the panic side of the equation no matter what happens. They have suddenly now, agreed to be irresponsible, haven't they? That's it. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's it's this this look. You you have to make decisions. That's understandable. But uh, every time you bring up uh, the uh, the decisions other countries have made, uh, and and these facts about epidemiology or just viruses in general, they they somehow become deaf uh, and blind. You point to Sweden. Everybody points to Sweden. Sweden, of course, famously did not have a lockdown. They did not have mask mandates, and they did fine. They're probably at herd immunity now. They haven't had any deaths or one or two deaths. They haven't also, they haven't been testing like that. Right. Okay. So and you can still go get lunch, can't you? You can still go get, everything is open. I mean, they had a few minor, uh, no, if we just had what Sweden had, nobody would have said a word. I mean, we would have just, you know, right. whatever. Uh, Japan did even better. They did about 10 times as good as Sweden, and they didn't have a lockdown. But we somehow don't hear about Japan. They got uh, a population that's much, much larger than Sweden's. Why don't we hear about Japan? Uh, we don't hear about Taiwan. Taiwan did fine. They got like 30 million people, uh, many more than Sweden. They had eight deaths. Eight. Eight. No lockdown. Yeah, eight. eight coronavirus deaths. Are they also not testing like crazy? They didn't freak out. There's many countries like this, okay? And you, so you, you ask our government officials, what about Sweden? What about Japan? What about Taiwan? What about Vietnam? What about these countries that all did fine and didn't do what we're doing? And they say, what are you trying to do? Kill people? Yeah. And so they come up with something. <laughs> no, I'm trying to ask you a reasonable question. And you oh, won't answer it because it doesn't suit your agenda. That's exactly what it is. Yes. I, it, because it's this zero tolerance policy. Because our politicians have figured that every death that occurs is going to be blamed on somebody, not the virus. It's going to be blamed on some person because this life could have been saved if somebody had done something. Right. That's the, the that that's our whole country. We've been yeah. sliding into that for years. That's been that's been the habit of a politician. You know, somebody's got to do something, even if it doesn't make any fucking sense. So they can say that they did. Now if right. it happens, they'll say, I did everything in my power to stop it. They don't care about you. They don't care about the citizens. They care about no. their own reputation. That's right. They care about their own career, their own riches, their self-aggrandizing SOBs, a lot of these guys. And they're just doing this because for themselves, for themselves alone, when they should know better. And right. uh, I, that's why I get so riled up about all this kind of stuff, because... To throw away everything we have known for a hundred years to do this is, uh, well, it's, it's upsetting. Well, let's get you even more riled up and talk about masks. Well, masks are an interesting phenomenon. I, I'm assuming that mask manufacturers are doing pretty well these days. We just got back sure. from Denver uh, and a seminar in Denver. And uh, the damnedest thing we noticed up there is there was essentially 100% mass compliance. Now, you don't see that here in North Texas. You know, there's a bunch of people wearing them, but there, there's probably, you know, 
10, 15% of us are walking around without any masks and nobody says a word to us. It's just, they don't, you know, I have never, I have yet to have anybody say anything to me, to my face about this. Uh, in contrast, I tend to laugh at especially men who are wearing masks and because of the, of, of what we're about to discuss uh, that I know, and they apparently don't know. And uh, I tend to laugh at them. And when I do laugh at them, I mean, I look right at them and laugh at them. And you know what they do? They avert their eyes. That's what they do. They turn their eyes because they know they're being stupid and afraid. They're afraid. And they're just doing as they're told. A mask is a badge of obedience for you people. Now, if, if, if you people that are watching this podcast have not investigated what masks can and cannot do, and you're wearing one anyway, then you are being intellectually lazy because what you think a mask is doing is not what a mask is doing. And yet, this mass hysteria has has gripped society all over the world, and everyone is wearing the mask. Just wear the damn mask, right? How about no? No, I'm not going to wear the mask. And Briggs knows about masks. You know, he's written about this before, and... Let's talk about this right now because I think it's terribly important. There are some people who really honestly believe that they need to wear a mask. But what does a mask do? What does a mask not do? And what are the studies that show that masks don't do anything being what's happening to those studies? Yeah. So, first of all, you're absolutely right about these people. A lot of the guys are out there. They're wearing this stuff. They're not scared of catching the bug but they're scared of not fitting in. You and I don't mind being thought of as assholes. Okay. No, that's, that, that's the fact. And the fact is that what our, what we are perceived as we walk into a store and we don't have a mask on everybody else in the store looks at us and says, look at that asshole. I don't care. No. I don't care. You don't care, but lots and lots and lots of people do care about being not that they're afraid but that you're supposed to wear the mask and the mask might as well have a sign on the front of it that says i do what i'm told and that's that's what the mask is it's a symbol of obedience it's not a public health measure and it's become a political question too in fact that that so here's the thing look I'll sound like Joe Biden for a second. Here, here, here's the thing. Come on, man. Uh, it's not <laughs> like scientists have never thought about uh, maybe do masks even work? Have they ever studied this before? It's like it's a brand new question. Masks. <laughs> yeah. Dentists have been wearing masks for decades. People in the hospital have been wearing masks for decades. I mean, since the germ theory of disease was was first articulated, people have been wearing masks because there's a reason to do it under some circumstances. Rare. 
rare circumstances. And they have to, and they and they're special circumstances. We'll talk about that. A hundred years ago, the Spanish flu uh, hit the world, as most people know, killed maybe up to fifty million people. Estimates vary. <laughs> it's not like we haven't thought about this question before. We actually had in some areas of the country back then mask mandates, like yes. San Francisco and I think Philly. Uh, and a couple of other places, people were being chased down by the cops for for flaunting that law back then, too. But there were immediate studies done right after it. And there's a paper. I have it linked uh, on my site. Uh, uh, the guys looked at this, look at the infection rate of the people who wore a mask and didn't wear a mask and said, you know, I guess we discovered that masks don't have any utility. And so that wasn't the first study that found that mask right. in the general mask usage in, in the general public is slow as spread don't work there's a big paper that came out uh in march or may i forget what this year uh it's called a meta-analysis and what this is uh is a compilation of other studies that have studied a similar thing so this guy named xiao and a bunch of other people uh listed a dozen 14 different studies that had looked at the uh, uh efficiency of masks at stopping the spread of uh, viruses and they just not coronavirus, but various other viruses. Any yes. kind of these uh, right. you know, respiratory diseases, right? And they discovered doesn't work. It's just as good as wearing no mask whatsoever. So we, and that's not the only. There, there's there's dozens of other studies that have looked at the same thing. At the very best, it's ambiguous. But most papers say no, it doesn't work. And not only that, not only that. Uh, there's a study that came out in 2015 in the British Medical Journal. They looked at people who were infecting themselves through the use of masks. They looked at cloth masks, these homemade masks that a lot of people favor, the black ones, because I, I don't know why people are always switching to these black ones. Maybe they think it looks sexy. Because they're badass, man. Bad, it was a skull on it. That's what you want, a mask with a skull. Or teeth or something, you know. These cloth masks, what they did is they looked and they discovered low the people wearing these were recirculating the viruses back. The virus got in, all right, because there's a vapor shield when you're breathing on the inside, and the viruses that you might have breathed right back out are trapped in there, and you're reinfecting yourselves, not just with the coronavirus, but other viruses as well. And so with bacteria now, as well. There's staph, there's acne, there's other kinds of diseases. That, but So do you bring this stuff up to people who are uh, mandating the mask, and what do they say? You're a criminal if you don't wear a mask. That's what they say. You're going to have to pay a fine. It's a crime, a crime, a, a misdemeanor, like it is for stealing or, or, or I don't even know, all the you know, simple assault or something like this. Not wearing a mask is now a crime. Even though we have all of this evidence that say masks in the general public don't work. Now, where do masks work? Well, a surgeon has a very special kind of mask that the surgeon is extremely careful not to touch during his surgery. That mask is to prevent him from snotting into the patient or from particles of uh, fluid, blood and whatnot, getting up into his system. That's what that mask does. All right? yes. That's all it does. That's so in the OR. You, you wear these crappy little masks at the, either the cloth mask, which are terrible, or you wear these paper things that are uh, the biggest sellers because they're cheap and you got to follow these laws, people think. I don't. But uh, 
you put them on, no one wears them perfectly properly. And they say right on the box, this has been pointed out dozens of times too. They say right on the box, not designed to prevent transmission of any disease. Right. But it so, doesn't matter. But you're, we're, you're having to wear them to prevent transmission of any disease. Even though the box says it doesn't do that, but you have to do it anyway because you are expected to obey. Now, even the fabulous Fauci was out back in March saying, don't wear masks. It's silly for people in the United States to wear masks. This is not going to work. That's the last correct thing he said. Now he's saying you're going to have to wear a mask till 2022, the end of 2022. And he also said, no handshakes forever. We're going to have to stop shaking hands forever. This is science. This, this guy is a, a gross opportunist who flip-flops more than I can imagine. He oh, just God. rides the wind. Whatever he thinks the public wants to hear, he's out there saying. And somehow we're only supposed to listen to him and no other doctors, do no you, other medical professionals. Briggs, do you do? remember back in the late 90s? Back in the late 90s when the vaunted Dr. Anthony Fauci told everybody that would listen to him that by 1992 AIDS would affect 22 million people in the general population. I clearly remember that. Clearly remember that. I was a young man and I was extremely concerned about this because of my activities at the time. And it was, uh, it was on everyone's mind. Here is this guy who is apparently an expert on disease transmission telling us what was that everybody was going to fucking die. And to 89 came around and 90 came around and 91 and 92 and everybody's not dead. And at no point did Anthony Fauci call a press conference and say, you know, you know, I was wrong about that. It just it just went away. And every single time this guy opens his mouth about anything, I am reminded of that period in American history when Anthony Fauci attempted to manipulate the behavior of the population of the United States. Now, what is this guy? How does he get off on this? You know? That's a lot of power, <clears throat> and I think the man is evil, and I think he just wants to. It, you know, it would be it would not surprise me if Anthony Fauci issued a directive. You know what everybody needs to do? Everybody needs every morning. What you need to do before you leave for work? What you need to do is let all the air out of the tires of your car and air them back up. And, and and you have to do this because it's for your own safety because the tires work better and you won't have a wreck. So I want everybody right now to go out and let all the air out of their tires and then air them back up. Now, that's going to mean, of course, that you have to have a compressor. And we recommend the, uh, you know, uh, the brand. Of, what's that brand they sell at Lowe's? Something cable. He'll have a sponsor, see, of the brand of compressor he wants you to buy. But, uh, but you've got, uh, uh, nothing like nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me. These people are marketing bullshit. They are bullshit salesmen. And he doesn't have the slightest idea what the hell he's talking about. And I'm telling you, epidemiologists like climate scientists, we, we should call them modelists. Because they're not scientists. 
They're not scientists. You know, you know more of what you speak when you say that than yes, anything sir. else. That is an excellent summary of exactly what's going on. Yes. Now, of course, uh, with AIDS, that just like the Corona doom was very political. Back yes. Then, you remember they said everybody had a chance of getting it because they to say that only certain risky behavior right. uh, could spread this was politically incorrect. Oh yes, they it had, was. That was the. Uh, everybody was going to get it. That and was. Of course, the People, dawn of the uh, of uh, huge frightened panic scare about that. Too. Right, right. Absolutely everywhere. People, they remember the the water faucets they shut off in the schools and things like this because they didn't want you to touch the water faucets because of uh, AIDS. So it happened. Yeah, it happened. Oh, I remember. Yes, it was. Yeah, this is absolute insanity. You know, they've forgotten that, but we go through these phases, and this is just as political. But when you say modelers, that's exactly right. That's a brilliant phrase, which I'm going to steal. Modelists. They're modelists. They're not scientists. They're modelists. They they put together. They all these people have put together this bullshit model. It's a mathematical model. It wouldn't even be possible unless we had computers, because you couldn't have put the model together back in the 1920s, because there wasn't any way to run the model. But now that we have computers and we we put together these bullshit models, without any concern for the fact that all of these systems are so thoroughly multivariate that you don't not only do you not have all of the variables accounted for but you don't know what all of the variables are and yet you run these models and public policies being made on the basis of a an incomplete model that never ever predicts anything they never predict anything correctly. They don't predict accurately, yes. Let me tell you, you know, this, is, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Because there are, there are two things here. One was uh, England's got their own Fauci by the name of Andrew Ferguson, yes. who is a modelist. Uh, Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson, yes. Excuse Neil me. Ferguson. Yes, Let's uh, not get his name wrong. We wouldn't want to be wrong yeah, like he was. Friend, we get his name wrong, this guy. Yeah. He, he has made so many mistakes. We go through in the book. Every one of them, every single panic from the the uh, the, uh, the mad cow disease, the bird flu, the swine oh god, flu. he was responsible for the BSE thing. Oh my oh, god, man. he was he it was his models that predicted tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of deaths for each of these diseases. Right, and it was his model that uh, drove the initial panic to the coronavirus. He had in his model, he didn't even recognize it. He didn't even recognize it because of the way they spit the model out. And it's complicated technical kind of details, which I won't say. But uh, in essence, it said more people are going to die of the coronavirus by the middle of this year. They were, they were having uh, in America 150,000 people die a day. How do you get two million people a day? Well, you're going to have to have tens of thousands dying every day. Right? Every single day. Think about it. They just stuck this in their model. Now, just we, last week, uh, the New York Times was touting this new study that said, look, it's a nature magazine. Oh, well, stand back. It says a new model proves masks work. Now, I'm going to let all your listeners in on a secret, which I think, Mark, you already know. No model does anything except what it's told. And I'll rephrase it. Every model says exactly what it is told to say. So what these guys did in their mask model, 
is they built a model that predicted the number of deaths and they ran that forward. And then they said, I'm going to assume that masks work. And then they repredicted the number of deaths, which were lower. And then they looked and said, look, masks work because the number of dead are lower. And it's reported as a discovery. It's reported as a discovery that masks work because the number of deaths are lower. But they started with that opinion. Yes. This is every model that you ever, it's even the good models, even the good models, all models only say what they're told to say. A good model makes good predictions, predicts accurately, but it does exactly what it's told. A bad model also does what it's told and makes horrible predictions. But uh, I, I say, you know, you can't be fired for being wrong in the right direction. All of these modelists are wrong in the right direction. They're in the, what I mean by the right direction is they're in the direction that the government wants the, to hear. Because that's who's business. paying their salaries. That was necessary. Absolutely. Yes. That's who's paying for them. And if you do what you're told, you generate data that show what we want it to say, you be a good boy and a good girl and wear your masks, then everything will be just fine. Right. It's just it's uh, I don't know, man, we're in a we're in a situation here uh, that makes Alex Jones look not so fucking crazy. You know, we are in a situation here where uh, a cynical person might say, you know, what I'm seeing here is like evidence for you know the new world order and the bilderbergers and the trilateral commission and uh the uh various uh, conspiracy theories because had this situation been in operation only in the united states you you might be able to say yeah the cdc fucked this thing up anthony fauci fucked this thing up you know and had it just been the United States and the UK, yeah, Neil Ferguson fucked this up and Anthony Fauci fucked this up. But everywhere in the world, the same mass hysteria is taking place. You, there is absolutely no reason to wear a mask under hardly any circumstance, certainly not in a grocery store. Certainly not riding your bicycle down the sidewalk by yourself in the sun. There is no man. There's no reason why an 18-year-old girl is wearing a mask. There, she can't get sick. She can't transmit it to anybody. That's true. I mean, look at the data. That This asymptomatic trans, uh, transmission thing, that's bullshit too. Yet everybody agrees that they're going to behave a certain way. Everyone agrees. People all over Europe, people all over Asia, people all over Africa, people in South America, everyone all over the world is behaving like a fool. People all over the world have decided to comply. They've decided to do as they are told because even if they have got some uh, reservations about the 
uh, logic of this behavior, about the science behind it, even if they know damn good and well that uh, 16-year-old kids do not either transmit nor contract this disease. They're going to make their kids wear the mask. They're going to wear the mask themselves. It's a symbol of obedience. Now, a cynical person would say that this whole, I mean, over and above the over and above the 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 disease statistics because I, I don't I don't know about you but it occurred to me about six months ago that this was not about a virus none of this is about a virus this is about something else and I don't know what the hell else and I don't know who I don't know why and that's the most disturbing thing of all to me so honestly do you think something else is going on here? Or do you think this is adequately explained by stupidity? Stupidity is never uh, to be discounted. No. But uh, think, of it, think of it this way. Uh, we, we all read these books like uh, The Extraordinary Delusions, Madness of Crowds, and things like this. Right. And we always read these examples where uh, in the past people have gone insane. Uh, mass mass groups of people have gone insane. We always laugh and think, ah, oh, isn't right. that silly? I would never make those mistakes. Right. But yet here we are in the midst of one of these panics. Now, what happened is we, we don't even need to have a, a, an active conspiracy per se. Not that I'm discounting that with, with the who in Chinese money or anything like that. Right. No. But we have, we have people, two kinds of people of similar mindsets that are all playing off each other. The first is the regular public. And the public panicked, uh, and they spread this panic through the social media, which is now global and instantaneous. Yes. Uh, we, we, we document, too, uh, at least 10 times, if not 100 times or more bigger phenomena than it was in 2009. Everybody carries around these uh, free tracking devices, you know, your cell phones to let the government know where you are at all times. So uh, we know what's going on. People are spreading every bit of news, and they were spreading everything instantly. Every new death that was reported initially, every new case, and everybody pasted them everywhere. And right. everybody talked about it, got themselves worked out into a tizzy. And they started believing this Chinese propaganda that came out. You see a guy walking down the street, and he collapses. Oh, my God, that's going to happen to us. You right. Know, does it, do we ever have anybody walk down the street, have a heart attack, and die? Yeah, it happens. It does but occur. Some, so that, that yeah. stuff, that was one thing. The other is this, uh, the bureaucratic mindset, uh, the management mindset, uh, the people who were just itching for something to, to take control uh, as much as they could. They knew they had this rabble under them, the deplorables, uh, the, the, the people who didn't know quite was good for them, but really didn't have a good hook to get them to do what we needed them to do. And now they have it with this yes they, they have, do and they have and they look the world economic forum just today tweeted out uh here's what to do uh for meetings to, to stay happy in the second lockdown or words to that effect God. they have two, a picture of these two people enjoying their enslavement grinning at the camera the world economic forum now what are they getting out of this i mean a lot of that's an interesting question isn't it what, what happened, it's indisputable. Now, is it planned or not? It, it, indisputable. The big tech companies all made a ton of money off of this. Amazon got really wealthy. All these online businesses got wealthy. The middle class money is being sucked away. We've spent 
quite literally trillions with a T on this so far. And where's that money going to come from? It's got to come from somewhere. They don't have it collected now, per se, but they got to get it eventually. So uh, they're not hurting. Uh, some of the people at the top are hurting, but the big oligarchs, uh, the big tech, the big uh, people who got all these things, they're doing fine. Uh, and, you know, so do we need a conspiracy or do we, do we need similar mindsets? Yeah, I'm sure there's people getting on the phone and talking to each other saying, you know, here's what we got to do. It doesn't need to be backroom, you know, deals, right. uh, people wearing robes to be uh, that kind of conspiracy, but can be all these people getting together and agreeing. I mean, that's why they just right. had up on Capitol Hill today, or was it yesterday? I think it was today, the, the Google guy and uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook being grilled about their censoring this. And this, like you said at the beginning, they might censor this. They have often censored. They've already censored some of our videos on this right now. Sure. You, you got this blue-haired hippo censor sitting behind a screen who thinks she knows anything about medicine we can't have this possibly being out there because it's not science it's misinformation do you see it's misinformation how she knows that remains to be seen it is a conspiracy in the sense that all these people think alike and and they can't be talked out of their unreasoning attitude mm -hmm. and so how do, how do we get out of this? How do we get out of this panic? Because it seems we're determined now to go back into the second wave of the panic. Goddamn, Briggs. I don't know, man. This is... And it's got to be something else to distract us. <laughs> we, how did we get out of the AIDS panic? It, it was just the time went it on. People it just wore off, you know? It just wore off. But there will be people... I get the impression that there will be people who, as a result of this who for the rest of their lives, every time they leave their house, they'll do it with a mask on. That's my impression. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. I mean, you have to understand that, God, I hate to say this, but I've, I've said it before, and I might as well go ahead and remind everybody, the average IQ in the United States is 105. I, I, that's just the case, all right? And people can't be expected to understand all of the things that we understand. People are scientifically illiterate. People are innumerate. And the poor things are being told by people they perceive to be in positions of authority that you're going to have to wear the mask. You'll wear the mask. Do it for other people. Do it for yourself. Wear the mask. I, you know, how does how does the whole of society fight that off? We got to do it one person at a time, one person at a time. Say, look, just calm yourself. Look it up. Look at the number of actual deaths every day. See, they've gone to zero. What are you worried about? Don't listen to the media. Yeah, but the cases, the the cases, the cases. The media lies to us now. Yes. By now, I mean the media. Haven't we learned from 2016? At least until now that the media is a, a very interested source pushing uh, their own line. And, and, and it, it's beyond imagination that we don't know how to deal with the media at this point. But yet you're right. There's a lot of people who slavishly follow it. And uh, all they know is what they get from their television. That's it. That's it. And they believe. It. And, and they, they believe, believe every syllable of what they're told do you, do you realize this is the damnedest thing I've ever I've ever seen? Uh, this is how bad the media is. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett 
was confirmed last Monday night. Did you know that NBC News did not mention that as a part of their newscast? The, a, a, a confirmation of a new Supreme Court justice was omitted from the newscast on NBC. That's an excellent point. The, the, there's that, two kinds of lies, right? Commission and omission. And yes. Their biggest lies are by far omission. Omission. They leave out any possible good news, anything yes. that they perceive the other side is going to use for their benefit, the, the side of truth and reality. Right, right. So, Right. The actual death rate that I've been using a statistic uh, for six months now that I just invented because I didn't see it anywhere else that the, 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 the rate of death of COVID-19 in a population group. Right. What is the population of the state of Texas? It's, you know, 29 million or whatever. And how many people in the state of Texas have died of COVID-19? And do that little division and come up with a percent of the population of Texas that's died of COVID-19. And it's always point, it's zero point, a bunch of zeros and three, right? Now, to you and I, that means important things. But people don't understand those numbers. People don't understand those numbers and the media take advantage of the fact that people don't understand those numbers. And they lie to us by omission. They lie to us by omission is what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough bad shit about the media. You know, you may think that the, that the, the politics of this country are all fucked up right now. And I would freely admit that they are, but how did they get that way with the media? The media created the problem. They created the problem. That's exactly right. They leave out whatever they don't want you to hear. Yeah. And it didn't happen. It just didn't yeah. happen. It's like it so didn't the, happen. The number of deaths, they'll tell you the number of coronavirus deaths, and that's all they'll tell you. They don't tell you that 10 to 600 times more people died of other things. Right. Just doesn't appear. And, and then they they'll just care. omit the fact that people aren't dying anymore, and they'll talk about cases. The case rate is is spiking. The case rate is spiking. No, the testing rate is spiking. But try to explain that to somebody. You know, it's it's hard for them to understand, the poor little things. And it, it just – you manufacture cases with testing. You know, uh, it is. It, it's – you know, and testing saves lives. Testing saves – you say that enough, and – They'll just, well, I guess it does. You know, testing, you want to know, you know, you want to know things, and knowing things is good, right? I get what? yelled at all the time on Twitter, on the blog. What, what you're trying to kill people, Briggs, what are you doing? I yeah. mean, I know that this is, they don't know what they're talking about, and I feel sorry for these people. They just buy into this stuff, yes. and they get so angry right. when they meet a dissenting voice, as if I'm in power. I have no power. I have no authority. I'm in. I'm a one-man shop. I'm in charge of nobody or nothing. I right. can't make any decisions for anybody. And all it, I try to do is tell you, here's what I see the official numbers are saying. All right. right? And even that is deemed to be censorable. Well, it's so, it, uh, or murderous. Yeah. You know, you're murdering people by telling them the truth. No. Right. Well, now, isn't that an interesting situation to be in, where the truth yeah. murders people? Interesting.
<laughs> it's an interesting I so, situation. Like I, say, I get so upset about it. I wave my arms around and scream like an idiot because I don't know how to get this across to people right. that uh, they don't need to be panicking. Just right. calm yourselves. Look at your own. Just I, I tell you what, maybe this is a good exercise for people. Look at yourself. Look at the people to the left of you and to the right of you, your family. Everything okay? Everybody seemed to be okay. Don't listen to friend of a friend of a friend stories and everything, but doesn't it look okay right about where you are? Right. And then have other, you know, confirm it that way one thing at a time. It's not that bad. And, it's and, not that bad. You know, it, it, it eventually it will soak in that, you know, look, there aren't piles of bodies. We were told there'd be piles of bodies. There are no piles of bodies. All right. Most people in the United States don't know anybody that's died of Corona. Of COVID nineteen, most people don't know anyone personally that have died of COVID nineteen because not that many have. Now, back in nineteen eighteen, everybody knew somebody that was dead of the Spanish flu. Everybody, because that was a pandemic. This is not. This is the flu. It's not the flu, but it's the flu. If you understand what I mean, and the you know. Podcasts like this, you know, I, all we can do is just tell you. All we can do is tell you the truth and ask you to please stop talking and think for a minute. When you start babbling nonsense about everybody, the case rate, and people are dying and all this other shit that you don't know anything about, stop talking, learn, rethink your actions, calm down take off the mask, have a normal relationship with the people around you, get back to work, don't be afraid all the time, and have a ball or two about you, okay? You know, have some courage to be thought of as an asshole if that's what's necessary. I believe me, I know it's not the end of the world. <laughs> so... uh Briggs, I sure do appreciate your being with us today. Uh, uh, we'll talk again before it's over with, and I want to I want to thank you for for making the time to be with us. And you guys, uh, here's the book, Amazon.com, The Price of Panic. It's it's timely. It's important. Buy it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your being here. Thank you for putting up with my ravings. No, nah, uh, you're you're. You may have noticed that I'm raving harder than you are. <laughs> <laughs> All I right. Really do appreciate it. Sure, Briggs. Thank, thank you, you much. Get the word out. Absolutely, and we'll see you next week. Starting Strength Radio.